I always immediately start adult faith formation series specifically for the fact that I'm trying to find the people who are serious about their faith that are low-hanging fruit that I can put into a leadership position. Welcome, everybody, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. I'm Mike Gomer-Gormley, and I'm joined by my plucky co-host, Dave the Dutch Schnauzer Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I was wondering why you were trying to figure out how to spell Schnauzer. <laughs> that, that's and now that's you know. so ridiculous. Now you know. Yeah, and now I know. I'm, I'm good. I, uh, you know, I'm busy, and... Uh, Things are well. Um, are you doing any more schools of spiritual warfare? You just are you just focusing on the no, thought? no. I'm not. You know what I want to. You know what I think I'm going to start is an annual just a uh, spiritual warfare forum. Ooh, and and uh, like like once a year, like a summit kind of. And uh, the theme would be dealing with the ordinary action of evil. You know, because there are co- like exorcism and deliverance conferences, which would be the extraordinary action of evil. But there's not a lot of just dealing with the ordinary action. So I think maybe next year will be the inaugural year of just, uh, you know, having like a spiritual warfare summit. Where are you going to hold it at? So uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure yet. Probably probably not here. Um, but I have to see. I have to kind of gauge interest in this first, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and talk about, you know, themes and stuff like that. But we'll see. Hey, so... Yes. I went to uh, we my Amber and I and my wife uh, spent the weekend at Franciscan for the Father Dave's inauguration. Um, awesome, and it was it was awesome. It was like it kind of seemed like just a whole new. I, I don't know, man. I mean, it almost some, seemed like the beginning of a renewal, you know, of the church in general. In a sense, it was it was kind of amazing. Really, you know what what made uh, you yeah, feel that really, way. Well, just like the fact that like you you just see like all these students on campus who were so excited to like go out and to spread the faith, and then you see a president who's completely surrendered to that goal, you know. So um, it was it was just awesome. Like it was amazing, and to see an inauguration at Franciscan is cool, anyways, because like they take the oath of fidelity. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. so you see the president kneeling in front of the bishop, and uh, it was it was a really awesome experience, but. You know, I, I and and I and I don't want to be like one of those guys, but like I could just see like there's major implications for the church in the country, and not just like that campus because I mean they graduate how many theology majors a year? Yeah, it's crazy. Franciscan for those of is you it know, like four hundred or something like that? When I was a student there in two thousand one to two thousand five, they said we graduate more theology majors than any other Catholic school, and I'm like them the Notre Dame. They're like, well, the difference is at Franciscan, almost everyone double majors in theology. Right, right. Yeah. And right. so the whole idea was we had 2,200 kids in the school, and there there was like, yeah, 500, 600 theology majors. Wow, that's amazing. But the, but my point is is that all of those, a lot of those theology majors are going to go out and be the DREs, youth ministers, yep. you know, of the church in America, and that is awesome, you know? I mean... Uh, he is committed to to forming those people, and so it was it was a neat weekend to see. That's awesome. Everything happened. That is awesome. Yeah. I, on the other hand, went to Miami and partied with middle schoolers. Nice yeah. and Gloria Estefan. <laughs> so let me tell you about this Miami trip that I loved. So uh, the the office of youth and I think youth and young adult they invite me out. I go out there on Friday, uh, and it was awesome because there was a young adult event at my host's house, Rosemary, and. We were there, and I'm hanging out with her, and we're waiting for the students to show up, the young adults, 
and uh, and a priest, Father Jeff, awesome guy. And she says, "Hey, do you want to see Iron Man's leg?" And I was like, "What?" what? And she said, "My husband. He he he's like a set, not set designer, but he works on. He's worked on like a hundred plus Hollywood movies." What? Yeah, and he worked on like half of the MCU movies, the Marvel movies. And so I, uh, she's like, yeah, let me go get it. She goes out of the garage and brings in a, a, the leg of Iron Man. It was one of the many models that they used, but it was a full, full-size full leg. And that is awesome. Yes, it was incredible. And he's like, oh, and, yeah, he was just on the set of Quentin Tarantino's um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and we got to meet Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio and... I was what? like, that's the coolest that's thing ever. But here's my favorite part of the night. As me and her are talking, they have this amazing um, ministry for young adults. A mission, School of Missionary Discipleship, I think is what they call it. And they graduate these cohorts. And they're it's just like formation, formation, formation. And these people have to be professionals, lay professionals. And then they oh, send wow. them to parishes. Wow. And they just build up young adult ministry in these parishes. And then they come oh, together genius. monthly. Genius. Yeah, 100%. They come together monthly for formation and other stuff. And they have these, they've done two cohorts so far. So they have two fully trained groups. And I was supposed to meet with them. They got about 40, about 20 said they would come. By the time the night started, 10 people confirmed, actually RSVP'd. And as I'm talking to her, 15 minutes before the event is supposed to start, one text message after another after starts enough. coming in. Uh, I don't feel good. Um, I don't know if I'm going to make It's really raining. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And literally, it was four of us plus a priest who jumped on at the last minute. <laughs> and it was that's it funny. Was, I was like, wow, that could not have been more millennial than that. Yeah, it was right. Perfect. Totally, it was perfect. Totally, and but it was worth it because you got to see Iron Man's leg. That would be so wasted on me. <laughs> like, here's you Iron know? Man's leg. And you're like, I'd be like, uh, man. how much can he deadlift? Yeah. <laughs> Does he want to wrestle me? Uh, that's funny. How was the rest of the trip? Because you had something else. Oh, yeah. so then that. the next morning or next uh, afternoon and evening was their middle school rally, and uh, Matt Frad was there. Uh, he's doing a bunch of events with them, so I got to hang out with Matt and his wife Cameron. She came down, and uh, we just had a blast chit chatting. Um, and then the the event itself was great. It was great. It used to be from like ten to nine p.m. And they shortened it from 1 to 9 p.m. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's oh, the way nice. to do it. Nice. That's the way to do did it. Did you go clubbing afterwards? Uh, I did. Uh, I went to the, you know, they say the rainstorms ain't nothing to mess with, but I don't feel a drip on the strip. <laughs> you're, you're the worst. You are the worst. I wove <laughs> so is... many quotes of Will Smith's <laughs> Welcome to Miami into my talks, into no, my you didn't. casual conversations. <laughs> That people were like, what is, like, they knew I was doing something, but they didn't necessarily know what it was. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I went up to the, the priest so that was funny. there, and I was like, Father, can you want a glass of wine? And he's like, uh, are, are you going to have one? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, okay, sure. I was like, yeah, you know, me and Charlie were at the bar running up a high bill. I mean, I'll sip a little something, but I'll lay the rest of the spill. And he's like, what? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's Very awesome. spiritual. Hey, Hey, so we have a, a serious thing to talk about today. Well, I mean, it's not that serious. It's a it's a good thing. It's a great. But we thing. have a great topic today. Okay, so so we got an email uh, from Amanda, and uh, I'll just read the email so that they people can understand, you know, what's going on here. Uh, last week, she met with a local parish priest to talk about the possibility of create, creating an evangelization position at his parish. Awesome. Which is yeah, great idea, and. 
And believe it or not, people ask me all the time, like, how can I get a job like yours? And I and I say to them, why don't you just go pitch it to your parents, yeah. to your pastor? Uh I, I think Gomer spoke at one of our annual conferences, and Father wanted to invite me to help him convince his parish and the finance councils that creating a dedicated director of evangelization position would benefit the parish. In order to do this, he's asked if I be able to develop like a, something like a five-year plan. As soon as I left that meeting, I searched Parish Evangelization Podcast, which is how I came across the two of you. In the past week, you've become my favorite podcast, so now you're our favorite emailer. Uh, I love I love the practicals. My question for you is this. Where should I start? Do you have any resources I could explore as I begin to develop this plan? My step one, as it were, simply to start an intercessory prayer group. That's a good thought. Uh, but I'm rather intimidated by what is a, a very daunting task. If we succeed in convincing the council that this position is worth it, I would, in fact, be the only full-time person on staff. That's tough. Our religious education program is through a different parish. It would be the pastor and I starting almost essentially from scratch. A vague request, but I appreciate any wisdom you can share. Okay, right. So this is this is awesome, and I think this is where a lot of people are at. And this is kind of, I think Gomer would agree, our passion yeah. in the sense that there are so many programs out there that are made for parishes that have 40 employees yeah. and have all the money in the world. Like my parish. And there's not... Right, like your parish, right? And there's just not a lot of play, not a lot out there for people who, like you, are starting from scratch. You're going to be the only full time employee. You and the pastor are going to have to do everything and really put it all on your back. Yeah. So, so let's let's get into this. Go over what's your first what's your first step in this? Well, I think my first step is understanding the the audience and really zeroing in on the audience. And I, I, I think you're starting off in a great place, Amanda, because you said that the religious education program is through a different parish. When we say RE, typically we mean children, right? Right, I think so. So the understanding of the director of evangelization is dedicated to the ministry and conversion of adults, right? And understanding, start gathering what you have specifically offered for adults and realize this is the untapped territory in the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is doing a terrible job. Everyone says, oh, no one talks to the adults and no one does it. We do a terrible job at evangelizing adults, not just young adults or you know whatever. And this is really, to be a director of evangelization, it means proposing the gospel to adults who come to church all the time, right? Because many right. of them are not converted. Right. And so right. that's like the understanding of Sherry Waddell's comment in her book, Forming Intentional Disciples. She said very clearly, evangelicals, uh, was it like 52% of their congregation are converts, right? So they were either nothing or they were non-practicing in a different Christian denomination. And she said, and the reason why that happens is because they don't care how they were raised, whatever. They just evangelize the adults as adults. And that's something that we do not do. We assume they're evangelized. So I think, first and foremost, you are going to narrow down your category as to who you're going to work with, understand what you already offer, and then um, how we're going to be presenting the gospel. You know, the next five-year plan or next component is going to kind of flow off of this. Right. So, okay. So one of the, one of the components of what Gomer just said is you're going to have to convince them that this is a needed position by convincing them that people actually need to be converted. Okay. So 
I know in in the two parishes that I'm new to, actually, my one year anniversary was this week, so I'm not that new now. In the very first day that I was there, one of the employees who's who's not with us anymore, she said, I don't understand what you do. And I said, oh, I evangelize adult Catholics. And, or I evangelize adults. And she said, oh, we don't have that many Protestants who come to our church. And I said, no, I, I evangelize like the adults who come. And she's like, oh, well, you, do you mean like you get them ready for baptism or RCIA? And I said, no, no, I evangelize Catholics who come to church. And it, it is a very common notion, right, that if you come to church, that means you're evangelized. You're probably going to have to get over that hurdle as well. Yeah. And so you're going to really want to make sure that you cover your bases. And I think one of the places to start is to make sure um, – that you've read, that you have read for me, Intentional Disciples, as Gomer mentioned, but also go ahead and, and see if the pastor could allocate some money to send it to the finance council and to your parish council um, so that they could read it ahead of time. And, and he should make that ask, not you. Like he should say to them, I'd really like you all to read this to prepare for some things I want to propose to you coming up soon. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite illustrations that someone did, uh, Andy Stanley, uh, pastor of North Point Community Church, he did this illustration that really solidified a lot of what I do in adult faith formation. He walked into a room, and they were talking about all these different ministries that they want to do. And then he said, what about the adult who does nothing yet comes to our church? And he said, what I want to do, and he put a piece of paper right at the entrance of the door of the room, of the meeting room. And then he put a piece of paper at the other end of the room, and he said, this is our end goal. All these programs and projects and stuff that we're talking about, that's down here. We want them to be a part of it. We want them to be a disciple of Jesus. We want them you know, to be a, a fully connected member of our church or whatever. And he said, what we're missing are the steps to go from here to there. And that whole meeting, him and his group were focused on identifying very specific uh, needs, goals, um, you know, initiatives that needed to happen to help move a beginner all the way through to being a disciple of Christ. One thing that helped me was listing out the five or six qualities. What does it mean to be a disciple? Right? What, what does it mean to be a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ in the Catholic Church today? And then if you write down, a disciple is someone who, right, loves the liturgy, loves the mass, prays, you know, has a strong personal prayer life, uh, you know, seeks out the virtues, whatever it might be. Then you start looking at your programs and you realize, oh my goodness, we don't do any of this stuff. We're not forming people in any of this stuff, especially moral formation. I would say most parishes might offer Bible studies and they might offer, you know, creed catechesis, but they don't talk about morality well enough and, and true virtue formation. So start to look at those areas like you have to mind the gap, I would say. You have to lay out how what this discipleship process looks like and you start with the end in mind. This is the type of disciple we can form here at our parish and then you begin to put those pieces into place. Yeah, so, so when you're actually pitching this to them, make sure right that they understand that uh, you want to make sure that you have a timeline, that you have uh, realistic expectations, and they want to, they're going to have to understand to be able to put this puzzle together as to why these things will benefit a person and move them along the path of discipleship. Now, what I've found 
is that most of them don't understand this until they're in it. Yeah. So you might have to lead them a little bit. You're going to probably going to have to evangelize the finance council a little bit. I don't know what they're like, but you probably will have to. Uh, most people have no clue what Gomer and I do until they're in our programs. Yeah. That's when they start to realize that that our position has value. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I would I would do that. I also want to make sure that you're looking out. There are, you know, even though things like. Um, uh, uh, rebuilt and um, divine renovation and those things, even though Gomer and I, you know, take, you know, we, we kind of treat it like take what's good out of those and leave what you don't like. And there's a lot that we don't like and a lot that we love about them. Uh, you should have, you should take a look at those because they have done this before. They've started to took think strategically about, uh, you know, church renewal and things like that. And so there's no reason to just avoid those. Um, I would I would make sure that you're looking at the people who have done it before as well. The idea of Christian discipleship having a beginning and an end, it's a process. Um, Dr. Carol Brown always talks about parishes need discipleship processes. But people are going to be at different areas and different parts of their journey. You have some people that have had conversions that are longing for additional formation. You have people who are who are well-formed already, and they're looking for a missionary sin. Right. Right? You have some people who are, they don't even know what solid food in the faith is, and we got to keep right. returning them to the milk, right? And so um, part of your discipleship process, part of the pitch is realizing that um, that there is a process to it, and you as the director of evangelization are going to help oversee the process. You're not going to do it all. You're not going to run it all, but you're going to help oversee and implement the process. And I would say that the the biggest struggle for me personally in my parish is we are a hardcore educational parish. We love our education. We love educational ministries, things that teach us about the faith. And so instead of a hardcore discipleship track, we consume educational materials. Now, in one sense, that that is awesome because the materials that we consume are all purchased by Ascension Press. <laughs> uh, not exaggerating. We purchased literally have from. nine yeah. ministries that meet every week that just use Ascension Press stuff. But the issue is, are we doing enough of the supplementing of the content with it? You know, this is where, as Ascension Press continues to expand down the line, it's not just catechesis. It's also things like the 99 that they're implementing to help parishes with evangelization. But in a very real way, you have to be like, okay, how can I form these people morally? How can I grow their hearts uh, and their prayer life, right? So um, realizing that the process, you will be directing and helping to lead and put together a huge process. So a five-year plan is is probably what it takes to get something like that stable and up and running. Yeah. Totally. Right. That's what I was going uh, to say is – you, what, I, what I want you to do is is really be unbelievably patient in this process and and make it to the point where maybe the first year you're just focusing on leadership and intercessory prayer and ramping up from there. Because I, I just 
I, I know that most people just like, you know, go guns blazing into this process where they're like, okay, this first year we're going to start teaching the faith and we're going to start calling disciples and, and teaching them how to evangelize and all these things. And it, it really does play out organically in a better way, okay? If you're, if you're just saying uh, the first year we're going to focus on intercessory prayer, building intercessors, uh, gathering, kind of circling the wagons of those who are already on board, that's a great goal for, for even an entire year, especially if you have a pastor who's willing to start preaching the kerygma in that year, because that's going to lay the groundwork for these things. You know, I, I always, when I go into a, a parish, I always do, I always immediately start adult faith formation series specifically for the fact that I'm trying to find the people who are serious about their faith, that are low-hanging fruit, that I can put into a leadership position. So go ahead and do some of those kind of shots across the bow to see if there are people who will come to this. But the first year, what you're trying to do is gather up the, those people that uh, that can help you with this process. And then when you see year five, then go ahead and be ambitious about this, right? Start your your formal program. As, as, as Gomer talks about, you know, Dr. Carol Brown, she says there has to be a formalized discipleship process. And some people use uh, Christ Life. Some people use Alpha. Some people do their own thing. I usually use a combination of all of it. Um, but there should be some process by which if someone says, gosh, I, I really want that in my life, but they don't know how to do it on their own, that they can enter into a, like a small group setting. Steubenville has a, a new thing coming out called the Steubenville Quads, which is a, you know, an active discipleship model. And, uh, it, you know, there's a lot of resources out there. So just be very patient with this plan and, and encourage your pastor to be patient as well. I think the biggest problem with this is selling it because, uh, it's hard to say like, so the first year you're going to pay me to pray for disciples, right? <laughs> uh, you know, you got to can't present it like that. Um, but the, the point is, is that you got to be really patient in this plan because you don't want to get way ahead of yourself. What happens, what starts to happen is when you get ahead of yourself is you get really good at the process and really bad at making disciples. Um, and, and, and it happens a lot. We see this a lot where someone, you know, kind of, um, gets through your entire faith formation program in a sense. And then they're like, okay, what's next? You know? And, and, and you see that it's for them, it's just kind of like the checklist, right? They haven't had that, that spiritual encounter. Yeah, It then becomes religious consumption. Right. Exactly. And, and that is, I mean, I, we, we, we all know people who are living a, the consumeristic lifestyle, but in a religious way. Yeah. So. And it's, and it's so difficult to point that stuff out to people. So, um, another thing that I would do strategically to help you along is as you start to flesh out, a, let's say your five-year plan and, you know, we're going to implement this, we're going to work with this. I'm going to meet with people here. One of the things that you need to do that I think is key is begin in your first year to what I call them the seeds of what would then become more evolved ministries or, or processes or programs. So, for instance, I do this thing called the Start Here series. I have a um, I have an eight week class on how to pray. We have uh, multiple um, classes on that that I think are incredible. Lord, teach me to pray on Christian prayer. Um, but I offer a one day class, a one hour hour and a half class on prayer, 
And I offer that for the lowest common denominator. Anyone can come. Let me help you learn. Or let me help teach you how to pray and all that good stuff. But these will be things that people will say, oh, I remember when we did that you know, last year, two years ago. And then you're like, well, now we have a school of Christian prayer. Or something like that. Not, so the whole idea is you're getting, um, you're not, <laughs> no one wants to see someone do nothing <laughs> for their first year right. of ministry. Right. So, but you want to be strategic about what you're going to offer. And one of the ways that you can do that is by using these seeds of ministries that then blossom into the full thing. So, for instance, I, I did exactly what Dave said uh, not to do, which was when I started my first year, I started a five-week program on Catholic evangelization. And a bunch of people came to it because they were excited. New guy, new topic, awesome. And it literally wasn't connected to anything in the life of the parish, <laughs> right? So now that I understand my life, the life of my parish, and we can kind of work within that framework, these things will be much more fruitful. But I was like kid in a candy store, like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to run this and do this. And a lot of people showed up, and it was great, and it went nowhere. It went nowhere because people weren't ready to be missionary disciples. They were still getting comfortable. How do I talk to my, you know, my adult children about my Catholic faith in a, a minimal way? So um, realize realize that these seedlings things can can really help to begin that and then to develop it when it is time. Okay, so the the next thing you're going to want to make sure you you keep in your plan or you put in your plan your five year plan is uh, and I and I think most people miss this. Um, is a formalized goal for you discipling people one on one, okay? Um, and 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 I mean that in a very realistic, in a very literal way, okay? That at my parish, like my pastor knows that having lunches, going out for drinks, things like that, with with people who are interested in becoming you know, following Jesus more intensely, that's part of my job, right? And you want that to be part of your job as well, because what you're going to see is it's kind of like a funnel. You get lots of people to the big programs and you want to kind of funnel them down to smaller and smaller groups until you get one-on-one and it becomes almost like a spiritual direction discipleship model there with one-on-one. And and it works well that way. Does it have to work that way? No, it doesn't. But if you can get to that point where people are saying, hey, what you said last night really affected me or what the video said really, really kind of has some questions you know, going on in my head. Uh, could we meet one on one? That's when you get these conversations that you're going to advance the gospel so much, uh, and and most people would say, well, that's not enough bang for, bang for my buck. You know, it's just one person, one on one. But what you'll see is it's almost like slow to go fast. The simpler, the better. The smaller, the better. And, and you'll see that that really has a big effect on parish life. You are the one who is the driver of the vision. Right, And they are hiring you not just to pray and not just to teach some classes. They are hiring you to drive the vision of evangelization at the parish. Someone who constantly holds up the church's task of uh, evangelization and being on mission constantly holds that before the face of the parish. Right? Don't get too comfortable. Don't get too... Um, don't get too introverted or, or too self-referential. We need to go out. We need to go out. We need to go out. In the Catholic parish system, uh, so many of us think of outreach as nothing other than a service project. And so realize that part of your task, maybe even the major part, is constantly holding up evangelization. So partner with already existing ministries 
programs, yep. groups, and say, do it, do it, do how it. can I offer an hour, a weekend, a whatever retreat for you? Because what I do, I do this all the time. Next week or in two weeks, I'm doing a thing for our Cornerstone Bible study, which uses the Cornerstone Scripture Study System out of Arkansas or whatever. They are a wonderful group of people. And they, it's a huge group that meets on Wednesday mornings. And I just reached out to them and they said, oh my goodness, we would love to have had you. We just thought you were too busy. And I said, for you, I am. No, but I said to them, I would love to help you. I would love to help you. But what do I do? As soon as I get in there, I begin to preach the gospel. I begin to talk about evangelization. I begin to talk about prayer and conversion. For those of you who listen to the show, every so often I pepper in one of my talks, and I'm not going to let Dave do that because I control the editing now. Um, I put in a couple of my talks of how I do that. So I was invited to give a 15-minute talk for the confirmation kids. So what did I do? I went out there, and I met them where they were at. It shared a little bit of my own testimony, but most of it was... You can trust the gospel. You can trust Christ. And then I go right down to the lectors that I had signed up for two months earlier, and I talk about how to pray and fast in order to seek the conversion of people who hear you reading at Mass. And so all of these things I do, I do this stuff all the time. It's the lowest hanging fruit. Um, if your priest helps you and and pushes this on the ministries, like, we really want you to have her out there. Um, that's where you can your study of evangelization we talked about in the second thing can help you shape the culture of the parish. The the final thing I would I would say to you is make sure that in your plan you take in the parish culture the parish culture um, and don't try and put a round peg into a square absolutely. hole. Okay? Absolutely, absolutely. I I, I I I'm the I'm probably the most guilty of this that. Um, when I go into parishes, like for consulting or for even for a mission or something like that, I fit that parish into my vision, and that that is not a good way to go, you know. And I've learned that really in the last year, that uh, I, I'm for the first time I'm at a, I'm at two parishes that have a very strong culture, a very strong culture, and I have to make sure that I respect that and that I'm I'm joining into that. And leveraging that for the sake of the gospel, so make sure that this plan includes is is conscious of the culture that exists there already. And so that means, uh, if you're going to say specifics, like say for instance, uh, in year three you're going to start discovering Christ, and you're going to do it on Tuesday nights. Well, make sure that on Tuesday nights, that's not when the Women's Legion of Mary has been meeting for 25 years or something like that, right? You want to make sure that the parish culture, you, you take, you keep that in mind, as well as just even the socioeconomic class like of the, of the parish. You want to know what you're doing here for these people and how you can really serve them because pre-evangelization is a real thing. Yeah, 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 it is. And just to compliment that, Dave, I want to say... One powerful way you can do this is by holding what we call listening sessions, right? Ooh, and scary. <laughs> it scary. is scary, yeah, unless you have good people to help you uh, set it all up. So I did a series of three listening sessions for our Latino community. Okay. And it was the best thing I have done in my five years of ministry. I sat there as all different groups of people, and it was like 15 people each time. Um, my friend uh, Rocio helped set it up, and we sat there, and it was people who were, weren't just Mexicans, right? That's the stereotype that the majority – I mean, in our parish, the majority are Mexican, but we had people from all over South and Central America come sit down and 
tell their story, say what they love about the church, what they what they find difficult about the church as someone who speaks Spanish or as a Latino and the things are just different here and all this stuff. And every preconceived notion I had was blown out the, out the door. They were um, – it, it was it was a total game changer, and now I'm in charge of Hispanic ministry. So <laughs> let me tell you, just going and listening and making sure that people understand because I had a reputation when I showed up that I did not want of I'm going to change things around here. And people were defensive about what I was going to do. And I don't. I didn't want that at all. Uh, I, I wasn't there to change things. I was there to listen. But they didn't think that. And so everyone was on the defensive. You don't want to have that defensiveness. So definitely no. take account of that parish culture. Write stuff down that you see and observe. Look at um, e- even one book that can help you is Models of the Church by Cardinal Avery Dulles. Um, he has these five models of how people view the church. And you can use that to understand where people are coming from and just to help give you guidance on, like, the different ministries. You know, you'll have some ministry that are really prophetic and evangelical. You'll have some ministries that are very institutional, some that are very sacramental, um, some that are really into the mystical body aspect. I mean, you'll, you'll have these wide gamuts that you need to kind of understand how to work with and move between. So, uh, yeah, I hope that you've gotten like some clarity here on, on how to proceed with making this five-year plan. Uh, you want to talk to other people about it, and please send us you know, what you're working on, and we'll help you as, as we go along. We'd love to kind of uh, use this as an example moving forward. You know, We could have some future shows on it as well. But what we want to make sure is that you know, you're just thinking of this um, very strategically, very broadly – and you are allowing the gospel to reign in the process as opposed to putting uh, putting together just a calendar here. So, folks, we, we love doing this podcast, and I hope that you love it too. Um, if you haven't yet given us a rating on iTunes or whatever you use to listen to your podcast, please consider uh, giving us a, a rating there and maybe even posting a comment. We're so happy to be partnered up with Ascension Press. They put out a lot of great things. And honestly, we talk about parish calendar planning and parish five-year plans. I honestly don't know what I'd do without Ascension Press's uh, resource. I mean, we use them all the time. So please check out ascensionpress.com. If you have any questions, you can email Gomer and I at eksb at ascensionpress.com. And when we come back, everybody's favorite chance here (laughs) to listen to the five practical takeaways. Do you find it difficult to enter into the mysteries of the rosary? What about personally applying them to your life? Drawing from the writings of the saints, the Bible, and Catholic tradition, Matt Fratt has produced Pocket Guide to the Rosary, a masterful work that teaches Catholics how to truly meditate on the mysteries of the rosary, how to pray the rosary like the saints, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your prayer life, and improve the way you pray what St. Padre Pio called the weapon of our times, we invite you to check out Pocket Guide to the Rosary by Matt Frad. To order, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Every Knee Shall Bow. Email us at EKSB at Ascension Press. You're going to love how we take your emails and turn it into a whole show. And we love not having to come up with an idea for a show. You people are beautiful, beautiful. So we got five practical takeaways. Dave, you go first. This is going to be good. This is not just for Amanda. This is for all of us. No, yeah, this is for everybody. What I want you to do is whatever parish you're at, I want you to think about this, right? Every parish, there's practical aspects to it and people who make decisions that are not directly involved in evangelization. And I want you to just pray for your finance council and your parish council, okay? Just do a little intercessory prayer exercise. Pray for them that they would come to know Jesus in a fuller way and that they would have mission minds, right? That they would be uh, really deeply concerned with evangelization at the parish. And you know what? Just as a community of EKSB, let's stop right now and let's all say a Hail Mary for Amanda, who is uh, getting out on this task uh, as she sets out with her her pastor in this parish. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, God bless you, Amanda. Awesome. Number two, um, anyone who wants to build evangelization at a parish where it doesn't currently exist, you can't do it alone. You cannot, you cannot. Not only do you need the Holy Spirit and God's grace, you need a group of like-minded people. This is the community recommendation, people. Meet regularly with a group of like-minded people, maybe once a month, to pray and discuss the missionary nature of the, of the church in general and the parish in particular. Pray for it. Pray for its flowering. Pray for its, you know, that it falls on fertile soil. Pray, 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 and discuss, and discuss the practicalities of how to make it happen. Number three, what we want you to do is just take some time to pray and and think about three. What you, if you were doing, if you were in Amanda's position, just think of three essential aspects of a five year parish evangelization plan. Three essential aspects of what it takes to evangelize a parish. And actually, what we want you to do is, if you have the time. Write those in an email and send them to us. We want to hear what your thoughts are, and we want to kind of crowdsource this uh, this number this uh, practical takeaway. Okay, so three essential aspects of parish evangelization. Put them in an email and send them to us. I think that's awesome. Um, number four, uh, what does it mean to be a practicing Catholic? What is that phrase? That's a phrase that's used all the time. Ninety nine point nine percent of the times in America, practicing Catholic means. They go to Mass on Sundays and every holy day of obligation. But we know just going to Mass does not equal a devout Roman Catholic. So I would like everyone to list out maybe five things besides going to Mass that makes someone a practicing Catholic. The reason being, any one of those avenues can become places of evangelization. Maybe someone's not ready to come to Mass, but they need to learn how to love their neighbor or they need to have a better prayer life or whatever it might be. List them down and then think strategically about how to help people do those things. Awesome. And finally, number five, kind of veering off of this, just uh, this week, I want you to just do something daring for the gospel. Okay. Do something you would not normally do to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ around you and your families. Give your testimony, ask someone if you can pray for them, whatever would be something that would be a dare for you. Okay. Uh, Right now we're in the midst of 40 days for life all across the country, maybe going out and praying in front of an abortion clinic, do something daring for the gospel. We need daring Catholics right now. I've been having conversations with my wife and with my family all the time about the fact that 
Right now is not a time for good priests and good bishops. We need heroic priests and heroic bishops desperately, and we also need heroic laity. So do something daring for the gospel this week. That's awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, those are your five practical takeaways. I want those emails for number three, your top three essential tasks of a director of evangelization. Email them to us at eksb at ascensionpress.com. Let's crowdsource this sucker. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode. The Dutch schnauzer himself has to go off to a meeting. So uh, we'll say goodbye, Dave. I'll, I'll, I'll see everyone next week. Hopefully you'll join us next week. God bless you all.